Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Jesse Fritz, and I am here to tell you all things about your healing journey and the things that you can be doing to make yourself feel great every single day. So today on the podcast, I have Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum, founder of the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. She spent nearly five decades making healthcare and education more holistic and innovative. I don't know why I struggle with that word, but I do. With a PhD in clinical psychology, Sandy specialized in positive psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy, and mind-body medicine, and served as teacher and the director of a clinic for attention deficit disorder, or ADD. She is a pioneer in her fields, having implemented programs such as the use of neurofeedback with patients and becoming the first ever psychologist to earn certification through the Institute for Functional Medicine, or IFM. Our conversation today, though, was absolutely refreshing, and we spent a ton of time talking about the importance of self-care and how to make it work for you. We talked about joy and flow and tapping into your mind-body connection, so I know that y'all are going to love this episode. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to chronically.healing on Instagram to keep up with the daily conversation over there. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today, I have Sandra on the podcast. <laughs> podcast. Welcome, Sandra. Uh, it's great to be here, Jesse. Thank you. Of course. I'm so excited to jump right into your story. So how about you give us a little bit of background on who you are and, and a little bit more about your story? Great. Well, I never thought I would be where I am today because uh, I never thought I would be this old, <laughs> turning <laughs> 70. Uh, but um, nevertheless, I uh, run the Functional Medicine Health Coaching Academy. We train health coaches in the functional medicine model. And it was a long journey to get there mm-hmm. uh, because it's been over many, many years. So I had my early beginnings. I thought I would be a classroom teacher. And then I was very interested in special education, learning disabilities specifically. So uh, that was my niche and that's where I thought I would stay. Uh, and then I was loved learning, so I was interested in doing um, classes for parents of the kids I was working with, how to manage their stress, how to help manage the behavior of the kids that I was working with. So that led to curiosity about what it would be like being a psychologist. So I went back and I got a doctorate in psychology and then had a long career over more than 35 years as a psychologist. And I was always probably one of the key features in my life was being a renegade, questioning the rules. And so one mm. of the rules I questioned was that the psychology was stuck in, it was at a Freud, very Freudian model, very psychoanalytic, um, particularly um, in I'm from the Chicago area. And this was the, what was offered. And I became very interested mm-hmm. in uh, cognitive behavior therapy, this idea that mm-hmm. you can change your thoughts and that's very empowering. And as you practice those different thoughts, you can have a different way of being. And that segued into also an interest in mind-body medicine, which back, we're talking late 70s, early 80s, didn't have really a formal name yet. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just a small group of people interested in this idea that the mind and body were connected. Who would have thought? (laughs) But believe it or not, that was pretty radical at Mm -hmm. the time. Uh, And so I focused on things like breathing. And then I realized, well, you can measure breathing. 
something. You can measure it with some devices and that's called biofeedback. And that's quantifying uh, so that you can adjust your behavior accordingly based on the results you're seeing. Um, uh, um, at that time, there weren't really any screens. There was uh, little black boxes with dials and kinds of knobs, but you could warm your hands, you could relax your muscles, you can alter your breathing, and lo and behold, oh, your migraine headaches were better. Maybe you mm. were getting the sleep better. And so I specialized in biofeedback and started working with those kids with ADD because I was learning disabilities. A lot of kids with ADD were also you know, in that category. So uh, found early on that it didn't matter what you called something. So whether you called it anxiety or uh, migraine headaches or um, some other condition uh, that would be uh, irritable bowel, if you taught these techniques and their thinking changed and they were uh, creating more uh, joy within their lives and they were more relaxed, then their symptoms were improving no mm. matter what the diagnosis was. So then what happened was I discovered that there's actually a field of study that is connected to finding the root causes uh, and looking at how when we go beneath the diagnosis and look under the hood, there are some common factors. And so that's functional medicine. So I trained in functional medicine, which led to founding the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, where I pulled together all of these concepts that come from functional medicine principles, positive psychology principles, mind-body medicine, nutrition, psychology of eating, and created um, an online school. Yeah, that's so cool. So what kind of made you decide to start something like that? Was it just wanting to like disseminate all that information? Like what kind of brought you to that space? Yeah, I think that, uh, and I've later been uh, learned as I got into the business side of things, that's, that's called a visionary. Mm. And often you know, <laughs> entrepreneurs are visionaries. Uh, and so we often have these big ideas that usually come to you while you're taking a walk or in the shower or you know, just times when you don't think about it and it just pops into your head. So basically an idea popped into my head mm. and uh and i was fortunate to have uh somebody who was working with me at the time uh, her name is elise wagner and she uh so we played these ideas off each other and brainstormed and uh and then we focused on the power of collaboration so mm. couldn't have done it without a partner uh, and I couldn't have done it without the Institute for Functional Medicine. So they are our collaboration partner. They train doctors. We train the people to be health coaches. Um, but as far as what did it, it was just a spark. It was, it was a sense of um, like it, I've, in the study of positive psychology, we talk about character strengths. Mm -hmm. And so when you are thriving, you are in your signature strengths. And one of my top strengths has always been creativity. Mm -hmm. And so as well as zest, so excitement. Uh, and so that combination of having an idea and then getting all excited and passionate about it. And it really came... Uh, deep down, it was from the heart. Mm. It was a mission to serve. So it was not creating because, oh, this is a, a scheme or this is a, an idea that, oh, we could make a lot of money doing this. Mm. But it was really came from a place of like, people are suffering out there. And it was a deep seated belief that I knew that what I was doing in my small local practice as a psychologist focusing on health, that I could train coaches 
to be out in their communities, helping people get well, using these powerful principles. And so it was a way of taking what I was doing on a very small scale and saying, hey, we can, we can go big. Mm-hmm. And then having a partner who reinforced that because she's also a visionary that, yeah, like we could go big. Like, yeah, why just because first we were going to train a bunch of local people in the Chicago area and do corporate wellness and um, and stay within a local based business. And then we said, well, why not go global? And so now we have students from almost every country, uh, graduates, over 2000 graduates who are out there. And I just it just really, I wake up in the morning and I think, wow, like because I had that idea, there are now thousands of coaches who are then helping thousands of people create healthier, better lives. So it's a lot of excitement and wanting to give and having that strong mission and purpose. I love that so much. And I think it's so cool too, to hear that you had this idea and you decided to act on it. So I think I hear so many times that people, especially in the chronic illness space, have these like really cool ideas, even just women in general have these really cool ideas, but then they're like, but I can't do that. You know, they never actually move past the ideation stage and never gets to something like really, really cool. And, and I'm wondering like how, I know you said like the power of collaboration. Is that kind of like how you were able to push through that, that space? Yeah. So I think there's something really basic that happens doing the emotional work. Mm. And that is to do stuff scared. Yeah. If you think I can't, and you mentioned something that I think is very important, and we all have done this, and that is, oh, I can't do that. In other words, like, I don't know enough. I'm not important enough. Um, and in my case, if, you know, I would have, we all have that imposter syndrome. Yeah. Who am I? I don't know enough. You know, I'm not a big influencer. I was a small local psychologist. I had a little office. It was like a little cubicle in a small (laughs) northern suburbs of Chicago wellness center. And so who am I to launch this thing? It's such a grand scale. And what I pushed past that and then pushing past the age, because I was 65. Mm. And my friends, my colleagues are all thinking about retiring and playing golf and canasta is very big. <laughs> but so fortunately, I'm not a golfer and I don't like to play cards. So, um, but I love learning and mm. I love creating things. Uh, so pushing back that fear, like you're all, that doesn't go away. Yeah. So starting and labeling that fear as excitement is, can be so powerful. And then second is start before you're ready because so many people delay, well, I don't have enough. I have to go back and get an MBA or I have to get all this stuff in place first or I have to get my house in order first or um, I'll do this and this and then I'll be ready. Mm -hmm. But start before you're ready and basically we built as we went where we had a beta class and so we learned a lot and there were, uh, our team grew and um, now I can step back because I have wonderful people who are of course facilitators and in student services and great alumni community and but so having collaboration and also just a sense of uh, wonderment like mm-hmm. a wonder, thinking big, having that big dream, as Mary Morrissey says, you start with that vision, like, okay, this is where I'm going. 
Mm-hmm. And then you backtrack, okay, what am I going to do today to make that happen? And so many people come to us wanting to be health coaches because they, uh, they want to serve, but they feel inadequate. Like many aren't healthcare professionals. They've, maybe they're, they've been stay-at-home moms or they're in corporate or they don't have the right, they don't think they have the right degree or mm-hmm. training in healthcare. And so that, well, and who am I to want to be a health coach? But what happens is, often they have experienced themselves like a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. And so, and they, so they already have what it takes. Um, And what we talk about is the power of story. Mm -hmm. What you have to create something is your own personal story. So just like I'm telling you now, my story. Mm -hmm. And so people relate to you and we each have these unique stories and that's what you have. So you already know enough. Yeah. go out and, and be a health coach or whatever you want to be. You yeah. can create that. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's so interesting. And I've heard this from people before just saying that they feel, um, especially those with chronic illness, they're kind of afraid once they start feeling better, they're kind of afraid to do the things that they love because they're so afraid they're going to like fall back into this, this unknown sick space. And I think that especially once you're able to put in some good practices of taking care of yourself and knowing your own body, you, that doesn't, that no longer needs to hold you back forever. Like you can still go out and do cool things. And now you have this story that's going to bring people to you. That's also going to make you feel so much more alive when you're able to do all these things that you love. And when you first started talking, you were talking about being able to be in a place to kind of tap into this creativity or tap into this flow that you had and um, to kind of come up with these ideas. And I'm wondering for someone that's listening, that's like, how do I get to that space? How do I like tap into um, ideas that I might have? How do I be more open to that kind of thing? Do you have any tips for that? Sure. Uh, First of all, uh, you can't force it. Mm. It doesn't happen by, you know, taking a class in marketing, for example. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's trusting mm-hmm. that as you keep telling your story, mm-hmm. keep telling everybody you um, in, engage in other with, with curiosity mm-hmm. uh, with everybody you meet, and as a result then they're going to want to know more about you. And there's sometime that just will, will happen. So it's something that can't be planned. It's like with creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is um, something that, that just develops one day, you know, mm-hmm. it'll just happen, but usually you know it. And usually it's focusing on, as you tell your story, what are you talking about? Are you talking about um, you were suffering from all of these symptoms and you finally got diagnosed with, you know, you found out it was celiac or you found out it was mold or Lyme or multiple chemical sensitivities. And so now you've known a lot about that. Perhaps you're connected with a community mm-hmm. of people who also have that condition. And uh, maybe you're a mom, you've got kids who are on the spectrum. And so that, and often, that would be you realize well this is a community that I want to serve we've had the coaches as well who are um, connected with their military families and Mm. so they know that they want to serve veterans and their families and it just um, it it just seems to be 
happening without much planning. So I had a lot of panic attacks when I was in my early 20s. So mm. bad that I used to have to go to the emergency room. I literally mm. thought I was dying. So it just was natural that I really connected when I was a psychologist with people with panic. And so then I became known in the community as, oh, she's that lady who helps people with overcome panic and anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, so it can happen that way that you just um, can start to specialize in, in something. Um, and I think sometimes having, having your own personal coach to help you sort it out because you might feel stuck that, well, you don't know. You don't even know, like, no, you know, you want to do something different. You're unhappy in your job, or maybe you're just out of school or you're just like, you don't know where to go and help having, having somebody who can be your ally, mm -hmm. who can help you get from where you are to where you want to be, define where you want to be, what you're dreaming about. And then uh, that person can help you brainstorm and be a sounding board. Yeah. I love that because that's how I try to help people. <laughs> but, um, but like, so one thing that I think is really interesting with all of this is I think some people maybe think about this too deeply. And I love what you're saying about the story, like just share your story. And within that, you'll kind of find the things that you're passionate about where maybe you're not passionate about. And I think too, one thing with those with chronic illness, I think what, when I started to make radical change in my life was when the flip was switched in my brain of this illness limits me to, I am so grateful for what this illness has given me because now I get to help other people. I'm really cognizant of my health. I take care of myself. I, you know, I learned how to speak up for myself. I learned how to advocate for myself and for others and things like that, that I would never have done had I not gotten this illness. And I think um, once you can kind of step past that and step into the role of like, I'm no longer going to let my story hinder me. And instead I'm going to let it like catapult me into what I actually want to do. That is awesome. That is so well put. Okay. I love that. And it resonates because that's what we hear from people who have studied with us and become functional medicine certified health coaches, one case in point, her name's Laura. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I first met Laura, we were, uh, we have meetups around the world now. Um, mm. This was in New York. And this was a few years ago, she just entered, she was like, scared, she had come from a marketing background in business, but she had to leave her job, because she was so sick with mm. her chronic illness. She'd had it was um, with mold and Lyme, and it led to very severe multiple chemical sensitivity. So she similar to what we were saying earlier, she was questioning, like, mm -hmm. am I going to be able to do this? Like I already had to give up a nice career in corporate and marketing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you know, I don't, I'm afraid and I'm, I have no healthcare background. So how am I going to make it? Like, I'm going to get sick again with all this stress. I'm back in school and, uh, and full of doubt and fears. Mm -hmm. Last forward, like 
this um, was three, two years ago. So it was not that long ago. Fast forward, she graduated. She has now, she's became a volunteer for lots of organizations for multiple chemical sensitivities, went to some conferences, volunteered, made incredible connections with doctors. She has a private Facebook group. She has people who are wanting to work with her. And not only that, she's appeared in um, Mark Hyman's uh, Broken Brain documentary mm-hmm. series uh, as a speaker. She has spoken at Integrative Health healthcare symposium and so which took a lot of courage like she's with a huge audience um, yeah she has and she thanks her condition really that's what really set her on this path and it's also what what happens is when you are stepping into this role of serving others then that's healing for yourself mm. and that's just a time-honored principle when you give back, when you're there for others, then um, you lose yourself in that. And so you're no longer hyper-focused on your symptoms, your condition, and scaring yourself with what could happen and, and getting stuck, whether it's with pain or fear of the future, but you're really present with another person. And that is so healing for and that you could be a coach, but you could be with a friend or family, you can, but it's the focus on being there for somebody else or even being in a group. Um, yeah. So being in a group of other people who are having the same conditions you are, we know that uh, in, in our school, we teach a group coaching model. It's so mm-hmm. powerful because everybody in the group is supporting one another. So mm-hmm. that's another way to start if you're feeling alone and isolated with a chronic medical condition got in a group with other people. Mm-hmm. It could be for that specific condition or it can be just a general group like a book club, for example. I'm in yeah. a book club, a knitting group. Yeah. <laughs> They're all wonderful in their yeah. own way. <laughs> for sure. I think that that sense of community and connection with others can be so empowering um, if you let it be and if you're open to it, for sure. I love that. So um so within the coaching academy, how like how does that work? How, if someone was interested that's listening now that wanted to join, what is the um, what is the type of person that could join, and and what is taught in the program? Sure. So uh, the qualifications are being a good listener, mm. wanting to serve, having this mission to uh, to help people along their journey to get healthy, here, leave better lives, have more joy. And so you don't need formal qualifications. Some of the best health coaches have no um, formal training. Most Mm -hmm. people do have um, a graduate degree, or not a graduate, have graduated college or Mm -hmm. an associate's degree. Um, But uh, it's really just this being able to be present with another person and really listen and support them. And so during the program, we teach all the principles of functional medicine. It's through the Institute for Functional Medicine. They're our partner and their faculty is our faculty. So we're looking at helping people become empowered to really take charge of their own health and to see that it's personalized. It's not one size fits all. So helping people to understand the root causes of their 
chronic medical condition. It's not just go to your doctor, get a name for it. In other words, get a diagnosis and get a medication and you're on your way. Mm -hmm. um, but really look at, as I'm sure so many in your audience knows, that there are um, factors that play into it, like how you're living your life, um, how, what you're eating, how you're moving throughout the day, the kind of sleep you're getting or not getting, mm -hmm. uh, your relationships, do you have meaning and purpose? And so a coach will be completely client-centered. In other words, they don't have an agenda. There are certainly coaches out there that do, but that's not what we train. We train yeah. coaches in a client-centered, people are the CEOs of their own health. And that's how a coach can help them sort out where they want to start, what's fit them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just a, you know, coming in because you have an agenda like uh, everybody needs to be on a keto plan, for example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so we put together, but in the training, we teach those functional medicine principles, um, identifying root causes, looking at uh, how to address those through diet and lifestyle interventions, and then uh, really all the coaching strategies and pairing that with positive psychology. So positive psychology is a study of what's right with you, not what's wrong with you. Mm. And it has to do with accessing what is really unique to who you are in terms of your signature strengths and helping you to really live your life by acknowledging and using those strengths and identifying strengths in others. So there are things like humor and gratitude and bravery and kindness and love. So um, we do a real deep dive into the character strengths, into positive psychology, and pair that with what for years I taught courses, um, doctoral students in psychology of eating. And so we bring those principles in, in mind-body medicine, looking at how we can pair things like imagery with uh, how you change your thoughts, things that help me um, personally, as well as what I taught to, to so many clients over the years. So we, we blend that all together. It's all online. It's a year. And we are an approved school. There's now board certification. For health and wellness coaching, which is pretty exciting. Um, so as a school, that means when you graduate, you can sit for that exam through that national board. You can become board certified as a health and wellness coach. And uh, that means that um, it's down the road. There's some new codes available where it's um, ultimately there will be insurance uh, mm -hmm. reimbursement. That's been what's um, the um, most people think that it's now on the road to that. It's called category three codes mm -hmm. that um, board certified coaches can use. So that's an exciting development that, you know, many people ask, well, where's the field of coaching growing, going? Well, it's exploding because yeah. that, because there's good research now showing coaching is an effective model. And so more and more doctors are referring to coaches, hiring coaches, more and more companies are looking at their corporate wellness and working with coaching. So it's, it's an exciting time um, to be a coach. You can work virtually, so you can be having conversations uh, that are not necessarily face-to-face. -face. You can be leading groups, and that's an exciting model that I'm really passionate about. Yeah, that's such a cool way for people who are passionate with this space and want to help others, especially those listening to this podcast who either have chronic illness or are trying to learn a little bit more about it, um, to be able to be in a space that's obviously very focused on holistic health and holistic healing, mind-body, like we were talking about before, where you're taking in all facets of, of the human experience into into coaching someone versus just like 
like you said, like I'm a keto coach or I'm, <laughs> or I'm this kind of coach, like being able to really help people. I also really love the group coaching model, especially when it comes to health and wellness. I feel like it's really um, the, the power of connection and community when you're going through something like that can be super powerful. Oh, it's so, so important uh, to feel, first of all, that you're not alone. Mm. And just that alone, to feel like there are others uh, who are on this path and also to feel inspired. Uh, sometimes it's hard to make some changes, but you might hear what somebody else in that group is doing, and that may help you to make that change as well. Um, and I think most importantly, you can give back. And so maybe there's some way you can support another person in the group. And that's been documented to be the most healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like healing on both sides. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what, speaking of healing, what are some things that you do um, just like on the daily, on the weekly that kind of keep you feeling your best? Sure. So I am committed to um, what's called impeccable self-care. And mm. sometimes that could be interpreted well, and I often think, well, am I just selfish? You know, I'm taking too much time. Um, but it is really uh, something that is so vital. Mm. And uh, in order to give back to my company, in order to be there for family and friends. Uh, so there's some things that, that I do. Now, I do it a little differently. So, and again, I've always been kind of this renegade. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, for many people, they will say they'll get up and they'll write in a journal and they'll meditate. Well, I have found that um, journaling has never worked for me. I, I'm too much of a perfectionist in putting something in writing. Um, I will, you know, uh, to focus on grammar and uh, what words am I going to use. And so I've just found that's not effective. Um, and I, because I don't enjoy it. I've had so many journals that I start. Now I have one that is just like one thing a day. It's a five-year journal and that yeah. works. Um, yeah. But it becomes like a planner or something. Sometimes um, <laughs> yeah. um, and meditating. So I'm finding that I do things to meditate that some people might think are not. Well, is this really meditation? I like, um, for example, knitting. So mm -hmm. if you were like, I'm right now, I can look over at my knitting project. And so just the motion of, so um, usually uh, one time during the day, I might be on a phone call or even um, at a sauna and I'll just, I'll just knit. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I love it because some it's uh, good for brain health as well, especially if there's a pattern you have to concentrate on. Uh, but what I really do that gives me the most joy and lots of energy, and I actually use it to meditate as well, that every day I start out the day doing three things. Um, I do a headstand. I do a um, what's called a, a forearm balance in yoga. So you're on your forearms and then you Put your, I'm, um, I can do the headstand in the middle of the room, which I had mastered um, years ago. But uh, as far as a forearm balance and a handstand, I have a wall. So I always have my mat against the wall and I try and hold it for uh, as long as I can. I can hold, you know, so, it, so but no matter how long I hold it, um, it I do it every day. 
no mm. matter what. Um, and so if I'm traveling, I do travel with my mat and I first look when I get into a hotel room, where's the wall that doesn't have a, a mirror or a picture or furniture blocking it. And I'll even, I've been to move furniture to create that wall or use the door. So that um, is how I start my day uh, with a little warm up in, you know, beforehand. So I don't just go right into it cold. Um, I'll do sun salutations, for example, and um, another part of a yoga sequence. But those three yoga poses are always um, part of my day. And um, it's just, um, you know, just it's such a habit that when I don't do it, I feel like something's off. Mm. If I've been traveling and I had to wake up too early and I didn't, oh, I only got a headstand in, didn't do my, my handstand. Well, when I'll get to my destination, I will um, do that no matter how, even if it's for a few seconds yeah. um, to just feel like, okay, did it and I'll do a back bend every day to um and that's uh to just you know lift um to expand my uh you know I feel powerful and I feel that that's very energizing um and and then um sometime being outside even if it's just opening the window um and uh I've been at some conferences lately where it's back-to-back -back meetings at a hotel and oh it's evening I haven't even been outside I've just been in this hotel the entire day so no matter what time I'll just even if it's just standing outside the door for a few minutes to just get that fresh air um, yeah yeah I love all of those they're so um like re revitalizing revigorating <laughs> i don't know which word i want to use but but i think that what you're talking about is so important in the fact that all that routines and rituals are um they're ways that make you feel more energized they're yeah. ways that make you feel better it doesn't matter if you don't like journaling if i do like journaling it's it's really up to you and two for me um my morning routine changes. Like sometimes I am very into journaling and meditation and other times for me, I want to do more movement or I want, you know, as soon as it gets warm out in Chicago, <laughs> I want to go outside and I want to be outside with my dog or take a walk with my dog. And I find that, um, a better meditation for me when I'm outside walking my dog without listening to anything. And, and I think just making these rituals or routines work for you and not worrying so much about what everybody else is doing and actually think like, do I like journaling? No. Okay. Then don't do it. <laughs> like, or do I like doing this thing? Let me try that instead. And I think, um, I think especially on social media, so many people are trying to have this perfect self-care routine or this morning routine that people have that they're seeing on Instagram and and really it doesn't matter. Like you can take pointers from everybody's routine and just kind of figure out what you want to do. You brought up so many good points. And uh, as you were talking, like this is the power of coaching um, when it's client-centered because it's not like we, a coach is going to tell you, oh, I want you to write in your journal every morning or I want you to, you know, I think it's a good idea that you learned meditation and you practice that every day. Well, that's the coach's agenda. But this is personalized. This is uh, nutrition is personalized. There's no one size fits all. And so what brings you joy? What takes you away? What movement, if we're talking about exercise, what it, to be effective, it has to be joy first. So I take tap dancing. I go to dance mm -hmm. class. Yeah. I love 
music theater. I love tap dancing. And so I, um, that's in my calendar. Um, three times a week, I'm in tap dance classes uh, because it's, it takes me away. Um, and the other thing that you mentioned I think is so important is that Sometimes, uh, especially in the health and wellness community, we're so focused on self-care. You need self-care. You need self-care. That somebody could feel anxious and they're actually getting a negative effect, mm -hmm. feeling like, oh, like this is terrible. I'm not doing self-care. I should be doing this. And there are so many things that have been identified as a good routine during the day for self-care. You can be spending 100% of your day <laughs> on self-care, just, just oral health alone self-care. And yeah. you're supposed to sit under red lights and you're supposed to be in a, do far infrared and supposed to get movement and certain amount of cardio and strength training and uh, meditation and, and prepare a meal, all that self-care, um, and then taking time out, you know, for a massage, that it can be overwhelming. And mm -hmm. so really giving yourself permission to decide, well, what's self-care to you? It might yeah. be preparing dinner for your family and putting on some music that you love and enjoying the process of chopping vegetables and cooking. Mm -hmm. um, and for somebody else, self-care might be ordering you know from an online delivery service and uh ready to prepare meals because that is stressful for you yeah. and you'd rather spend that time uh you know meditating yeah <laughs> yeah i think that that's that's so important and i think um, some of these things, we, we talked about this earlier about something else, but just sometimes we put so much pressure on having to do things the perfect way or the way that everybody else is doing it instead of just being like, you know, this morning I'm feeling really tired. I think I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to dry brush. I'm going to listen to some music and dance in my kitchen while I make coffee. There's your self-care. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Because in that moment you cared for yourself. That's exactly yep. what it is. Exactly. Or I'm going to sleep in, mm -hmm. uh, even though, you know, I've been uh, online and people are saying that they have this new, uh, you yep. know, there's like a 5 a.m. club and there's all this people are saying, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, and well, maybe that doesn't fit for you, but it might, you might, mm -hmm. but you know, these are all possibilities. Um, and so think of it as a whole smorgasbord of options, like you're in a buffet. Yeah. There's all these things, and some you're going to pass on, some you're going to try and say, nah, it's not quite the right taste for me. And others you will load up on because you love and you look forward to it. And if you're bringing there, if you're getting joy, like I love doing handstands. Mm -hmm. If I didn't like them, I wouldn't be doing them so mm -hmm. much. So we gravitate towards things we love to do. Um, and, and sometimes you can do something often enough that what you thought initially you didn't like it and it becomes something that is joyful for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just leading with that love and that joy and just deciding what makes you happy. And I think too, for people that, you know, are still going through some trouble with illness or maybe they haven't found what they're passionate about yet, this is an area where you get to decide. So your day can start out with even though you might have to go to a job that you don't love or you have to do something that, that doesn't feel good, you get to wake up and for however long you want it to be, a half hour, you get to do something that you decided that makes you feel really good. And I think that gives, you, gives people a lot of power. Absolutely. That, yeah. that is such a, a good point. Yeah. 
So if people are interested in learning more about the coaching academy, the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, or if they wanted to join or anything like that, where could they find that information? They can go to functionalmedicinecoaching.org. Perfect. I'll have that in the show notes so they can, they can see if they want to. But um, is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners of the podcast today? I think uh, to really focus on um, what brings you joy, um, where, where do you want, what matters most to you? Um, mm-hmm. What do you want your health for? And that is the way to, if you're stuck and don't know where you're going to go, really focus on having that dream, like what you see without any sense or like, oh, I can't do that. Um, But just focusing on where you want to be and then noticing in the moment what's right. Really Mm -hmm. like do a body scan looking at um, and then looking at everybody in your life. What's right with them, not what's wrong with them. What's Mm -hmm. right with you, not Mm -hmm. what's wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. Coming at it from that positive space. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on today. I'm so excited for everybody to hear this episode. I think it's a great one. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure talking with you. Of course. I hope that you loved this episode. I had such a wonderful time talking to Sandy and there were so many amazing nuggets that came out of this episode. Definitely send me a email or a DM over on Instagram if you want to talk more about this episode. I loved it so much. And remember, if you haven't already, one more time to subscribe to the podcast and head on over to chronically.healing on Instagram to keep up with all the conversation and fun stuff that we do over there. So thank you so much for listening today and I hope you have a wonderful day.